Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever reason a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, that we have the wonderful privilege to be able to gather together as your church boldly before your throne and boldly before your word, knowing that when we fail you, there is forgiveness. And when we come to you humbly, there is salvation. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that as we approach your scripture and as we ask ourselves the question of who are you and what do you have for us, that we would be humbled and not walk out of this room coming to our own conclusions, but rather walk out of this room uh, coming to the conclusion that you have given us in your word. And so, God, I pray that for the next few moments that we might be able to unpack what that is and what you have for us. God, it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. How many of you are basketball fans? Anyone out there? Okay, a few of you. I am not that way. Landon, yeah, that makes sense. You're what, like seven foot tall? Uh, close, yeah. So I, uh, I'm not a basketball guy. Uh, as you can probably tell by, by my uh, impeccable physique, uh, I was not great at athletics and even less so at basketball. Uh, and so I never really played it. I never really watched it. In fact, I've never watched a full game of basketball in my entire life. Um, but even though that I don't know much about basketball, there is one name in the basketball world that I know very well, and that name is LeBron James. A lot of y'all probably know him as well. Uh, some of y'all probably know him for basketball. Some of y'all probably know him for his political or cultural stances or the crazy things that he tweets out. Well, just know this, that, that without me knowing anything about basketball, not following basketball, there's a reason why his name is on my radar. And it's because whether or not you agree with his political or cultural stances, which by the way, I don't, he will undoubtedly go down as one of the greatest basketball players in history. Like I did a little bit of research on him, and he is quite the remarkable player coming from a basketball aficionado like myself. Um, he holds 19 number one records in the NBA. So here's a few of them. His, he's number one for most consecutive games scored, 1,372. Fun fact, he has scored in every single game he has ever played in. He's number one for most consecutive games scoring at least 10 points over 1,000. He's number one for most career turnovers, 4,788. He's number one for most 20-point games, 1,136. He's second for the most uh, points made in the entire history of the NBA, which is 37,000. They're expecting him that if he plays like normal this upcoming season, then he is going to surpass that and be number one uh, overall most points made made in the NBA. He is four times NBA champion and was the MVP of each one of those games. He is 18 times NBA all-star and on and on it goes. Y'all get it. He's a good basketball player. And that's the reason why he um, will go down as one of the greatest players in history. And keep in mind, all of this is at the age of 38, which I'm not saying is old. Hear me. I'm not saying that's old, but in the NBA, that's pretty old. <laughs> 
right? Like I looked it up. Uh, the, uh, there are only three people in the entire NBA that are older than him at the age of 38. He is going up against people 10 years, 15 years younger than him, and he is still performing at levels greater than them, which poses the question, how is he able to sustain performance for that long at that level at his age? And the short answer to that question is he invests in his body. He invests in his body. They uh, did an interview with his manager a few years back, and they asked him uh, basically that question, how is LeBron James able to perform at this level at his age? And he told them that he uh, spends a lot of time and energy and money on his body. In fact, they say that he spends $1.5 million a year on his body. I spent about $9 at Taco Bell. Um, $1.5 million a year on his body. This includes cryotherapy, hyperbaric chambers, exotic leg boots. I'm not sure what exotic leg boots are and how they're different from regular leg boots. Exercise routines, diet, and more. Now you say to your, you may say to yourself, what an outlandish number to spend on uh, your body and taking care of your body. 1.5 million. But keep in mind that LeBron James sees this as an investment in his body. And whenever you look at investments, you don't base it on what you lose going in. You base it on what you gain coming out. And for LeBron James, his current net worth sits at about $1 billion, which is about $1,000 million. So for him to invest $1.5 million, which is about 1% to 2% of his net worth a year, and receive out of that $1 billion, that's pretty worthwhile investment. And what the, where I want to land with that is investments are worthwhile things to do. And what I want to kind of dig into is where should we be investing in 2023. And then don't get worried. We're not bringing up financials. I'm not going to uh, get you to pull up your 401ks and your S&P 500s and blah, 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 and cryptocurrency, all that. We're not getting into that. We're not talking about how we invest financially. I want to talk about how we invest in our time and our energy. Like, if you don't know, the Bible presents this concept known as the sow and reap principle. And what this basically means is whatever you sow into something, you're going to reap the rewards of that. So if I sow junk, what I'm going to reap is junk. If I sow good, what I'm going to reap is good. Now, don't confuse this with karma, because what karma is, is this like mystic force out there in the world, and this mystic force evaluates all the good things you do and all the bad things you do, and then deals back out to you the equivalent of that. That's not what this is. The sow and reap principle isn't karma. What the sow and reap principle really more is cause and effect. It's I perform an action and I receive the consequence of that action, whether good or bad. And so let's hop back into today's passage because it uh, explains it. Galatians 6, it says this, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever reason a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows into the flesh 
will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows into the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Now, this was a very agricultural time. Uh, Everyone was farmers, or at least you knew about farming, and these are farming words, right? Like you sow seeds into the ground, and then you tend to them, and when the harvest time comes, you reap the crops from that harvest. It's an awful lot, because we're not much uh, farmers anymore, uh, but it's an awful it's a lot similar to that of investing. Whatever you invest into something, you will reap that out. And so if I was to sow into worthless things, what I'm going to reap is worthless things out of that. But if I sow into good, godly, spiritual things, I'm going to reap out of that the Spirit. And we all know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We're going to reap those things out of it. And so what I want to land on is that it's a new year. It's a new year. We are eight days into 2023. Some of y'all have maybe made New Year's resolutions and maybe have already broken the New Year's resolutions by that time. Some of y'all may not even care about New Year's resolutions, but this is a great time to ask ourselves: we've got a new year in front of us. Where are we going to invest or sow our time and our energy? Because if the Bible holds true, what we sow is what we reap. If I invest in worthless things today that only satisfy today, then tomorrow I will reap worthless things that only satisfied yesterday. Now, before we get too deep into this about where we should put our time and our money, I just want to preface that this isn't easy. Like, there's a reason why we trade mild pleasures for the eternal joy of God. There's a reason why we trade sin in the flesh for God. It's because we would rather have instant gratification today that gives us a little bit rather than delayed gratification tomorrow that gives us a lot. And so before we even get into this, we're going to have to flip that switch in our mind. We're going to have to stop thinking about what satisfies me today. Because if you think about what satisfies you today, you are going to endlessly try to be curing your boredom. You're going to pick up your phone, and and while you could be spending time with your spouse or your kids or doing productive things, you're going to grab your phone and get on whatever social media app you want because that gives you instant gratification right now. If you're more concerned with instant gratification than delayed gratification, you're going to spend your life investing in your addictions rather than in the Spirit of God because addictions are so much easier They give you that gratification instantly. So we got to think about investing not into today, but into tomorrow and the years to come and all eternity. Okay, so we're going to talk about worthwhile investments. I'm going to give you three worthwhile investments for the year 2023. And hopefully at the end of this, um, we can spend our time uh, sowing into worthwhile things and that God might be glorified through it this year. All right, here we go. Three things to invest in. The first one that we should be investing in is our family. You should invest in your family. Your family is one of the best things you can invest in. And we live in such a hectic and backwards culture that's attacking the family. I don't know if y'all realize that. Our culture attacks the family. Our culture says that your marriage is nothing more than a piece of paper and a tax write-off. And through no fault, quote unquote, no fault of your own, you can just dissolve it and just let it go. 
The culture says that the government and the schools are better equipped to raise your kids than you are, so you should just hand them over to them. And if we're not careful, if we're caught flat-footed in our culture, we will sacrifice our families and our kids to the culture, and we won't even realize what's happening. So we have to be intentional about investing in our family. I read a study this past week that was conducted in 2018 where they polled over 2,000 uh, parents of school-age kids, and they asked them a few different questions. And what they found is uh, that Americans are enjoying only 37 minutes on a weekday with their families, of quality time with their families. Only 37 minutes. Now, that sounds bad enough on its own. It sounds even worse when studies also reveal that Americans spend on average two and a half hours on social media a day. So we're giving multiple hours a day to social media, and yet only 37 minutes a day to our families. And I can't even fully blame the parents here because as the study goes on, they start to identify the main culprits that are getting in the way of family time. And they identify that the main culprits are um, long work hours, weekend chores, and their kids' complex school and activity schedules. Now, luckily, my kids are not old enough to have school schedules and activities. But when it comes to weekend chores and long work hours, man, I can sympathize with that. I work full-time, my wife works part-time, and, and by the time... Uh, on the days that we work, by the time we get home and have the kids home, we're tired, the kids are crazy, the house is a mess, and we're just trying to like put food on the table, which makes the house even more a mess. And y'all may be able to relate with this, like if you have young kids, um, you might be able to relate to, okay, we're going to clean the living room, we're doing it. Okay, we clean the living room. Okay, great. Now we're going to clean the kitchen, so we focus on the kitchen. By the time we're done cleaning the kitchen, what's the li living room look like? It's a mess again. Why? Because I'm not going to name names, but my two-year-old Lottie <laughs> decides in that moment in her infinite wisdom to pull all of the toys out of her room and take them to the living room. Which, by the way, we just got through Christmas. Why does every single toy for a two-year-old come with a billion pieces in it? Good gracious. Okay. If you bought my daughter one of those, I'm... Okay. <laughs> Sometimes, so we have a Roomba. Y'all know what that is, like robot vacuum. And sometimes I see little bitty pieces of her toys and I could save it. But I let the Roomba go for it because <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it anymore. <sighs> Where are we at? So I can't even blame parents a whole lot. This study though, so 37 minutes quality time, that's just talking about family time. That's not even getting into time spent with your spouse. The study goes on to show that parents also have a hard time de dedicating time to just spending time with your spouse. Over half of the participants struggle to have a date night once a month. And 65% say that their date nights consist of running errands which I'm guilty of, right? I think it's a rite of passage for early parents that whenever you finally have a night to yourself, you just go to the store. Like I long for the day that me and Randy can just go to Costco by ourselves. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm here to empathize with you about the difficulties of being able to carve out time to invest in your family. But, but hear me on this. We should not let the difficulties of it be an excuse to not do it. 
we should let those difficulties be a warning that we need to be all the more intentional about doing it, about investing in our families. Ephesians 5 and 6, Paul starts to lay out um, the different roles of the family unit, and he gives us three roles. He says uh, there's the role of the husband, there's the role of the wife, and then there's the role of the parents. He says to the husbands, he says, your role is to love and care for your wife as Christ does the church to the point that he even laid his life down for her. He says to the wife, he says, your role is to trust and submit to your husband that he's going to love you in the same way that Christ loves the church and that he's going to do everything he can to present you holy and blameless before God. And then he says to us parents, he says, your role is to um, raise up your children in the Lord that life may go well with them and that they may live a long, happy life and they may not soon depart from the Lord. All three of these are heavy, heavy responsibilities, and they all take a ton of time, effort, energy, and determination to do. And so if you have a busy schedule, if that is what is hindering your time with your family, you need to change your schedule. If your kids' um, extracurricular activities and sports and band or whatever it is, if that's hindering you from being able to invest in your kids, then something needs to change. If your mess of a house is causing you to not be able to spend time with your spouse and your kids, then something needs to change. Maybe you need to start cleaning your house when your kids go to bed or clean your house in the morning before they wake up. And, And hear me, I am talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to any of you right now. I do not have this perfect. But we need to step up and accept the call that God has given us, accept the responsibilities that God has given us, and invest in our families, invest in our marriages, and invest in our kids. Because keep in mind, with your kids, the world, their friends, the schools, the internet, the TikTok, the social media, whatever it is, they're getting eight plus hours a day with your kids. And if you compare eight plus hours a day with your measly 37 minutes, it wins every time. And if we're not careful, we're going to sacrifice our marriages and our families to the world just so we can cure our boredom, just so we can cure our addictions, just so we cannot have to worry about it. 2023 is a great year to start investing in your family. The second thing, though, uh, is a great worthwhile investment is in the church. Invest in the church. I firmly believe that the local church is one of God's greatest gifts to man. Like the, the point of this right here, not just meeting here today, but, but um, the body of Christ here today, one of the main points is that we might be able to have a safe haven away from the world, away from the attacks of the world, that we might be able to encourage and support one another, that we might be able to grow more in the Lord, and that way we might be able to lock arms together with God and take the gospel out into the world and do things much greater together than we could ever do by ourselves. That's what the church is supposed to be. And it is a worthwhile investment for us to invest into it. I love the way that Paul puts how the church works in 1 Corinthians 12. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. A few verses down, he keeps going. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he 
wanted. And I love this illustration because we all have bodies, right? Raise your hand if you have a body. All right, cool. 100%. We all have bodies and we can all relate to this, that, that we're all controlling and ebbing and flowing and moving our bodies and it seems very simple, but you don't have to dig very deep to realize it gets vastly complex, right? So we have 206 bones in our body that are being moved and supported by about 600 muscles. And those 600 muscles are being sustained by about 78 organs. And of those 78 organs, the brain is probably the most important one. And in the brain, there's a, a seven sections to it, each one doing their own part. And within those seven sections, there's, let me make sure I got it right, there's 86 billion neurons in it. All of them are in use communicating and transferring information to one another just so I can move my fingers like this. And so I can move my mouth to talk to you. And as complex and as important as the brain is, the brain is nothing unless the heart pumps blood to it. And the heart is nothing if it doesn't have the digestive system to get nutrients to it. And the digestive system is nothing if we don't have a mouth so that way we can get food into it. And so while there's all these different parts of the body and they're all serving a purpose, they're all working together that I can do what I'm doing right now. And, and here's the beautiful thing. Paul is saying the, the body of Christ, the church, is the same way. That while it's large and diverse and complex, each person has a unique purpose that someone else can't fulfill. And so what, here's what that means. That means if you're sitting in here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't matter here, you're wrong. You do. If you're sitting here th thinking to yourself, I don't have a place here, you do have a place here. If you're sitting here thinking to yourself, I have no way to contribute, you do have a way to contribute. We should all be figuring out what part of the body are we and how can we best uh, function the way that we need to function so that the whole body of Christ may work together and that the, the, the church might be a light to the world? And so some of you maybe have that figured out. You know who you are. You know what part of the body you are. You are plugged in and you are connected. So maybe your role now is to find people who haven't figured that out and help them figure it out. You maybe need to look to people who, who are maybe disconnected and exiled and, and feel like they don't have their place here. Maybe you need to reach out to them and help them find their place here. You may be going here, or you may have grown up your whole life in church, or you may be relatively new to church, and you may be wondering, what does it really look like to connect to the church? What does it look like to be a functional member of the church? And, and we have something to help you out here. We have something called the next steps here. And you've probably heard it. These are, these are four steps that we um, aim to walk everyone through. And, and what we believe is, is that if we can walk everyone through these steps, then we will be the church that God has called us to be. And as Jesus told Peter, he said that, that not even the gates of hell will stand against this church. That's our aim. The four steps, four steps. It's this, it's to know Christ, to grow together, to serve one another, and to show God to the world. You want to figure out how to connect to the body of Christ. You want to figure out what your place is in the body of Christ. Just walk through those four things. Just know Christ. Figure out how you can grow with other people around you in the church. Figure out how you can use your gifts to serve each other. 
and then figure out how you can take the gospel into the world. Simply put, that's what the church is right there. And so 2023 is a great year to think about how can I better invest in the church? Think to yourself, how can I better know Christ and sow into that? How can I better grow with the people around me? How can I better serve the people around me? How can I better take the gospel and show God to the world? And that's how you can invest in the church. So the first is invest in your family. Second is invest in the church. And the third one is to invest in your relationship with Christ. I think investing in your relationship with Christ is the most worthwhile investment you can make. In fact, I'll I'll go this far. I'll go this far to say that if you don't invest in your relationship with Christ, it doesn't matter how much you invest in your family and how much you invest in your church, it will all ultimately be meaningless. In 2011, there was a man named Stefan Taylor, and he was a programmer, and there was a company that hired him to uh, make a video uh, for their company. And uh, the company didn't have a whole lot, and so they proposed to Stefan, again, this is 2011, they proposed to him about paying him in Bitcoin. Everyone know what Bitcoin is? Or at least have you heard it? Like, like, simply put, it's a decentralized currency, so there's no government behind it. There's no banks behind it. It's basically just floating in the, the atmosphere uh, on computers. So Bitcoin was relatively early, and they said, hey, can we pay you 7,002 Bitcoin, which at the time roughly equated to $6,000. Fast forward uh, uh, 12 years, and do you know what 7,002 Bitcoin is worth today? $118,590,073.20. Not a bad investment for, for an afternoon of video editing, right? Here's the problem with Stefan, uh, sorry, I said Taylor, Stefan Thomas. Here's the problem with Stefan Thomas, Thomas. He can't access it. He can't access this Bitcoin. So here's how Bitcoin works. So again, it's a decentralized currency. There's no banks. There's no governments attached to it. And so let's say you have a problem with your bank today. You open up your app, your app or whatever, and you can't access your money for some reason. What do you do? You call the bank. You go to the bank, and they'll help you get it taken care of. In Bitcoin, you can't access your account. What do you do? <laughs> Sucks to suck. Yep, you're just on your own, man. Uh, so they created this thing called an iron key. So the iron key was supposed to like prevent hackers from being able to access your account. And what was uh, holding this iron key in place was your password. Well, Stefan Thomas lost his password. And not only that, but the iron key, the way that they're set up as a failsafe, is if you put in 10 wrong attempts of your password, you know what happens? The account is deleted. (laughs) Your account is deleted. This guy has $118 million and it might as well be a billion miles from him because he doesn't know the password. Here's my fear. Here's my fear, church. My fear is that there are people in this room, in this church, in this world, who invest a lot in Christian things, yet haven't actually placed their faith in Christ. And so they're going to stand before Jesus one day thinking, man, I went to church a lot. I sang songs. I served in the nursery. I even read the Bible. I went on mission trip. And they're going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, I don't know who you are. 
And while you think you have all of this glorious riches awaiting for you in heaven, it might as well be a billion miles away because you never placed your faith in Christ. Jesus says this exact thing is going to happen. Matthew 7 says this, verse 21, says, not everyone, this is Jesus talking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, judgment day, when you stand before him, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out many demons in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? Then I, Jesus, will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Jesus is telling us that there is going to be a day when people are going to stand before him thinking that they've done enough good things in their life, thinking that because their parents were Christians, they're Christians, thinking that because they were at church when the doors were open, that they're going to get into heaven, thinking that because I went on that mission trip when I was in youth, thinking that because I read my Bible every now and then, because I even prayed every now and then, that I'm going to get into heaven. And Jesus is going to say to those people, I am so sorry I don't know who you are. You did a lot of good things, but you never placed your faith in me. That's my fear. That should make us afraid. That should make us question. I'm not here to get you to question your salvation, but that should make us question, are we doing these things because it's the Christian thing to do, or are we doing these things because we've actually placed our faith in Christ? And so you can invest as much as you want in your families, You can invest as much as you want in this church. You can get involved in small groups and in ministries. But unless you have placed your faith in Jesus, unless you have invested in that, it's all meaningless. And it's all for nothing. So how do we do that? How do we invest in Jesus? Well, it's, it's very simple. You place your faith in him. And what that means is you trust him. That when you call him Lord, you mean it. When you call him master, when you call him God, you're saying, I believe in you and I believe that you are who you say you are. And if you believe that Jesus is actually God, Lord of your life, then you're going to do what he tells you to do. And you're going to trust him with your life. And you're going to trust that there is nothing you can do to be good enough before God, There's nothing you can do, no amount of good works you can do to get into heaven, but rather trust that because of him coming down to this earth, living a perfect life, and then taking our sin, our sin onto the cross and dying a death that we deserve, and then raising three days later, trusting that that happened, that we might be able to have salvation. That's what it means to place your faith in Jesus, to say, God, I can't do it, but you can. So man, I encourage you today, if that's you, if you're a person that's been playing church, man, I'm scared for you. I'm scared that you're gonna show up one day before Jesus and you're not gonna know him and he's not gonna know you. Let me pray that we do that. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you, God, that it is a new year and that All of the destructiveness of 2022 and all the mistakes of 2022 are in the past and and we've got a new year in front of us. And so God, I pray that we would humbly 
come before you seeking where you want us to invest our time and our energy. Where do you want us to sow our life into? God, I pray for, for myself and the people in this room, God, that you would convict us in this moment, that, that you would reveal to us where we're investing our time into worthless things and where we are investing our time into our sin and our flesh and our addictions. And God, just convict us that we might repent of that and turn away from that and start investing our time in, in you and in the spirit and in the good godly things that you have given us. God, that we might reevaluate our life. Like, like, like some of us may need to shift around our schedules so that way we can actually give uh, um, significant time to our uh, marriages and to our kids. And so God, I pray that you would convict us there. Some of us have been playing church and, and that we haven't actually connected to the body of Christ, but we've just been attenders. God, I pray that you convict us of that. Some of us have been doing a lot of Christian things, but we don't actually know who you are. I really pray that you convict us of that. We're gonna move into a time of invitation and really what this time is, is for you to just be able to, to respond. I don't know where you are today. I don't know how God is convicting you and working in your life. But what I know is, is that if God is calling you to do something, man, answer that call. And so maybe you just need to sit there and pray and ask God for forgiveness where you have chosen yourself over him. Maybe you need to sit and think about how, how you need to restructure your life because you're investing and sowing into worthless things. Maybe you're there and you're convicted because you don't even know who Jesus is. You've never placed your faith in him. And you wanna do that. We're up here. We'd love to talk with you through that. We'd love to show you what it's like to place your faith in Jesus. We'd love to pray with you if you need to be prayed with. The altar's open. If you need to come up here and kneel before God and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm gonna change. Whatever it is for you, we encourage you to do those things. Can we all stand?